We like to run, run, we lace up our shoes. We like to run, run, we lace up our shoes. In the real world. Run and run. With cars. Run and run. And houses. And run. We like to go look at trees and, and lace time. up our shoes. We like to look at trees with... <laughs> <laughs> Like there lived Bohemian housewives. Run and run with and deep run. Midwestern roots. Run. We'll give you a head start so you can get going. We'll give you a head start so you can get going. Then one day, run. They were airlifted and, and dropped. And run into the middle. Put your shoes on. Of Crown Heights, go out Brooklyn. Go look at trees and birds both of them in the, sky. in the same place. Put your shoes on and go at out. At the same run. time, run, 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 and run. These are and run their stories. Run. Becca, <laughs> Doctor Becca Claver in the house. H D is in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Oh my beloved! It's great to be back once more. What we're drinking rosé. Mm-hmm. We're in the studio. The temperature is just like a it's totally bearable, like sixty-six degrees. Yeah, it's just a great time to be in New York. A great time to be alive. Oh yeah, I'm really grateful. I'm so overjoyed that you are sitting. Beside me, in front of me, that I'm looking at your glowing face. It, I, it took ever. I silent screamed at Barbancino when we went in there. When I saw you yeah. for the first time, because um, it's always that thing, right, where the girls see each other and they like freak out. <laughs> but it is such a real feeling it of is. like needing to exclaim at the it's highest like pitch I can. Inside like dark Brooklyn pizza places, yes. you're like, I guess I gotta go tone it down. I'm gonna try to do this silently. Like the lighting in here is telling me it's not appropriate yeah. to go and to clap as loud as I can. But that's why we prefer to just hang out at the studio where no one can judge our behavior. That's right. I will say that the the woman sitting waiting for her date at the bar saw that girl me well i'll tell you she got a big smile when we were hugging i, I noticed oh. that she was very pleased with our interaction oh. really. she got a kick out of it i don't know what your experience was but she was um she was she liked our happiness which was i nice. love when people are just willing to embrace other people's joy yeah rather than you know yeah hate on it hating on it yeah so, it's annoying, resenting it, dimming the lights on it, if you will. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. How do the lights in Brooklyn feel? <laughs> <laughs> How do they feel, Becca? Really, really nice. It's just a, a misty gray today as far as lighting goes. And I will say that's perfect. Like, yeah. I didn't want it to be hot and gross. I didn't want it to be freezing and difficult I just you know wanted some walkable New York weather and Mm. you know Mm. so that mist was sometimes kind of LA rain who cares you know it's like 
for the most part, it was perfect. I just got to like do a little loop around the neighborhood. I got to just live here. Like I realized that when I come back, like that's what I want. I don't want to like go do all these things. I just want to like kind of live here again for a few days Uh and like just go and do the things that I want to do that feel like comforting and familiar to me. And New York changes so fast that, like, I've been gone for, I moved away a year and five months ago. Ugh. It seems like lifetimes ago, but it was a year and five months. So terrible. But even in that time, like, you could expect, like, a whole neighborhood to change, really. For sure. Absolutely. Like, depending on the place. And so I was sort of like, you know, is it going to feel a lot different now that I haven't been here for almost a year, moved away a year and a half ago? And no, like, you know, there are like new restaurants or whatever, but like, right. it's just, um, it's just what I need to be, you know, it's just a great like rhythm of people and, um, just like feeling, feeling in the street. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Love the feeling in the street. Mm-hmm. The street. Yeah. Uh huh. That's that, that's that. I've been trying to be outside a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it fills my heart and soul up in really beautiful ways. Um, and when I say that, I almost, I don't necessarily mean like Prospect Park. I mean like trying to camp and yeah. going camping a lot. But I think it's helping so much. I love, I love coming back. I feel so invigorated in such a different way. Mm-hmm. And then I come back here and it's like, yeah, the street, there's people everywhere. It's not like solitude in nature. It's mm-hmm. the total opposite. And it does... I don't know, like, I feel like I want to be middle about it. I mean, I want to be middle. I'm trying so desperately to be middle. What do you mean by middle? Well, I mean, that's something I'm trying in therapy to be middle in my life. Like, not Mm -hmm. at huge extremes. Mm -hmm. uh, To just sort of, like, walk and have a little more flexibility within the middle space. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know what, like, a middle between, like, camping in a state park and New York City is. But I think it might be for me... Being in both of them a lot. Yeah, I think that, I think that's I think just the middle is just called your life. You right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe right. your life as it stands is yeah, the middle. Yeah, that's maybe, I, know? maybe I'm already living middle. You're already there. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's happened to me at various points in my life. Well, not like in... I, I just started doing visualizations like maybe three years ago. But once I started doing them... I realized that like half the time I was just visualizing like what my life already was, you know? (laughs) So it's sort of Uh like waking up to what's there, realizing like with like a little bit of a shift of perspective that you might already be living there. Yes. Um, And yeah, also just like staying open to whatever the possibilities might be, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It does. It feels. It's. It feels crazy. Maybe it is already happening. Yeah. Little middle action. Uh-huh. I wrote a list of um, things I'm proud of, accomplishments in my life. Mm. It's almost like when you make a CV. I was just going right? to say this is going to be really useful yeah. when I make your Wikipedia page <laughs> later this weekend. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. We both we will soon have uh, Wikipedia pages, but this. When I made this, like, list, I was so proud of... The, I, I don't think of, right, like, that I've done great, big, huge things. And yet I was like, okay, Lolo, like, great list mm-hmm. of things you're proud of in your life. Like, 
sort of like when I'm visualizing and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. how long, how many years of my life did I like long to be a, you know, feminist organizer who made an impact? And it's like, actually a lot of my years were spent doing feminist organizing. Yeah, you have and been doing that for a long, long time. time. And then like yeah. women's march for sure. So it's funny to be like, yeah. I want this thing and then look back like what you're saying and yeah. be like, I'm actually a That is your life like and that. it yeah, will continue it. to happening. be your life yeah. in other forms. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's room yeah. for improvement, of course, but... Well, right. Yeah. yeah. And then I think like sometimes like realizing oh, I'm only asking for what I already have is sort of like a sense of like you're not allowed to ask for more, you're being greedy, whatever. So I think it's also good, if you realize that all you're asking for is what you already have, then it's you can also like, good to, like, start asking for more. For more. Get, go higher. Imagine abundance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come from a place of abundance and not scarcity. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. Ooh. Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn, what are you doing out there? We got some party horns. Oh, is it a party horn? Yeah, <laughs> something, something like that. Like, something okay. like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, coming from a place from, of abundance is um, can be so difficult and mm-hmm. is so wonderful to do. Mm-hmm. I also feel like a lot of the people that I know that do visualizations visualize how it will feel and not like right. the thing happening, like but the what it will feel like to live in that space of experience. Mm-hmm. And that isn't it. Like I can see the pictures, but I also like trying to conjure up the yeah. emotions is an interesting process. Here, here's my witchy tip. I'm only okay. telling you guys, okay. RHB, RHB listeners. Listen up, <laughs> listen up RHB. What you have to do okay. is conjure all the senses you can. If you have five, Ooh. great. If you have more than that, just fire them up. And if you have less than that. Fire them up. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you got two, use what you have. So all the senses that you can conjure up, you have to invoke each one of those. Like as you... Becca, you're feel- rocking my world right <laughs> as now. As you feel your way into the space of visualization... And in my experience, that's how you, like... Transcend humanness. For example, yeah, transcend humanness. Or, like, conjure little towns in the Midwest that you end up moving to. Stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I have... I've conjured some stuff up that's pretty wild. And I think that I felt very, um... I don't know, out of touch of my, with my magic. It's funny. We thought we weren't going to talk about astral love. <laughs> we were right like, in. oh, right. Remember, <laughs> this is the topic of our show. This, is this isn't work. on our list of topics. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. yeah, I feel, um, I felt so out of touch with my magic and, you know, I, everyone says it's all around. You just have to pay attention. It's all, and it's like, <laughs> I want, I will strangle you. Like, don't say that to me. So not I can't, it's the worst. And then I think the problem, the, the thing, the things that I think are the worst are the true ones. Like I know it is all around me, but I am in a space that can't accept or see. I turn my back to whatever yeah. the choices are. Yeah. That's the space I'm in. And so thank you for the reminder that, it's all around me, but the access to it, you have to be open and willing and loving in the space, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think that, um, yeah, I, I am starting to feel that openness again, which feels just delightful. Congratulations. Really? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I was freaking out about how excited I was to be <laughs> casting. Becca yeah. was too, but yeah. I was like squealing. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like turn the lights up. <sighs> we're we're not in a dark, cool pizza place anymore. We are not. We're it's home. It's just time to be excited. Uh huh. So. Tonight's episode uh-huh. is focused on <laughs> summer activities. Uh-huh. It's the summer kickoff. <laughs> Jamboree! So Lauren decided that Memorial Day is not the kickoff to summer this day right now. Oh, today is. This yeah. weekend. You said this is the beginning of summer. Yes, it is. And sure. yes. Here we are. It's happening. And you said you were excited for summer to come, I believe. I don't... I literally... Was I on Ambien? You I don't know. You said that. You said that. So, You're like, for- I can't believe I just said that. Oh, yeah. Okay. But At you- least I gave the caveat. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> are you excited for summer? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I have... I- <laughs> <laughs> So sincere. So I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure about it. I've I've got some fun things planned. Mm -hmm. Like there's some, just it's just there's going to be fun things happening, and I'm happy that I'm recognize. It usually takes me to Fourth of July to recognize that it's summer. So I'm happy that I'm like aware of it before that, so that I can kind of try to get into a summer vibe. Maybe Mm -hmm. I was talking about that. Was that what I was talking about? I don't know. A little bit. Maybe. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like I do. I am. I, I don't hate myself as much as I did the last however many years. I am not, thank you, oh, God bless. Oh, love you so much. Um, love you. But, so I, you know, summer usually brings about a great dread for me because everyone's so pumped that the sun's out and they're, oh, they're seasonal effective, it's over, <laughs> which great, no, no, not... But, like, for me, the summer comes in, it's my most depressed time. Yeah. Because everyone's so happy and out of the winter, and they're talking about how we survived and we did this. And I'm like, how am I going to survive while everybody else is so thrilled to be alive? That's what Lana Del Rey once called yeah. summertime <laughs> sadness. You got that summertime sadness. I got sadness. summertime sadness for sure. Mm-hmm. And I really, I don't want to, like, I want to have fun with it. Um... But it does take me saying sentences like, I want to have fun with it when I'm talking about summer to try to kind of talk myself into the process. So, but I am excited. There's fun things happening and it always goes by so, so fast. But I will say when there's like a cool breeze, I am every time I'm like, ooh, fall's coming. Mm -hmm. And then I think like, ooh, it's going to get like chilly and it's time for scarves. And then I remember that it's May Mm -hmm. and like it's the opposite of that it's about to be in the hundreds at mm-hmm. some point and there's going to be air conditioning and sweating and only black clothing you know it, but okay so <laughs> then just like get into it I why, don't know. why only black clothing because i sweat so much oh i thought oh it, it was just like in new york you could only wear black in the summer too. I think, well that too for sure but because i sweat so much my armpits are just water factories So, but am I excited for summer? More than I ever have been in the last adult decade because... Fun. I don't hate myself. Real fun. Extra fun. Are you excited for summer? Yeah. More in a kind of like... Going swimming, barbecuing, <laughs> hanging out kind of right, way. Right, right, in a, right. In a very 
normcore summer way. So you, you think, know. Okay, so we've got. I've a got game. the summertime gladness. You got summertime gladness. I've, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is the game. All right. Summertime gladness. Summertime sadness. Oh, you're right. That's okay, what it is. Yeah, That's we, the game. We're calling. Out, we're going to call out <laughs> summer activities and decide if there's summertime sadness or summertime gladness. Okay. 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 I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to go first. Okay. Water slides. Summertime gladness. gladness. <laughs> <laughs> this game is great. Okay, okay another easy okay. one. Okay. 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 Sparklers. Summertime gladness. Okay, all right. I'll say summertime. Okay, we can just do sadness and gladness now that we've established. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Okay. okay, all right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, um, uh, Broken escalators. <laughs> sadness. sadness. Super sadness. sadness. I try. <laughs> Smell of hot trash. Ew, sadness. sadness. Super sadness. Although most people don't smell like trash the way New York does. Yeah, that's right. Like most places don't smell like don't trash. Don't smell like trash like <laughs> ever. <laughs> but this place always smells like always trash. Like, always like trash. Like, why Why is that so acceptable? It's so, not something people really complain about, except for people who, like, visit here and experience it, like, on a hot summer day. Yes. Well, it's sort of like my downstairs neighbors, Jan and Mike, when I told them when I first had uh, mice, Mike was like, city living. Mm. I was like, no, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be true. I think it's true. People just accept things in yeah. New York because it's New York and the buildings are old and there's no fucking alleys. Like, Shy City has some alleys. I love an alley. I used to yeah, play in the alley. Yeah. Why aren't there alleys in New York? I think because they built everything before they had the idea of alleys. Whoa. <laughs> I do want everyone to know that I do think that I will probably do a drunk history at some point. Like, gunning for, like, you know, whatever. And I'm certainly gunning for, like... Being a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race in like season twelve or something, but I do think I'm just making that shit up. I, but I do. There's something about like how when the city was built, they like didn't think about they like yeah. it was built in villages and it the the sewer system. I it was some, you know it was yeah. a shit show back then. So that's how I'm going to tell talk about history. Then. Or maybe they were just always trying to cram as many apartments as possible onto tiny islands mm-hmm. and. There's no room for alleys. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Okay, summertime gladness, summertime sadness. Okay. Uh, now that I'm just, this is just for you. Mm-hmm. Um, intense subway AC. Sadness. Wow. Sadness. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It is my one of my few public gladnesses in the summertime. Yeah, I never bring. I don't want to like carry a sweater around. Why would you need one? You're sweating like a. It's so annoying. It's like carrying a sweater around just to go inside. It's like no, everybody, just you know, turn right. it down a couple degrees. I'll be fine. Right. I I'm so thankful because I would never need a sweater even in the 50 degree air conditioning because I'm so profusely mm-hmm. sweating and mm-hmm. red and hot and yeah. unable to control I my temperature. I just absorb it all and yeah. suddenly get freezing. Right. Yeah. It happens. That's. I was trying yeah. to think of a gladness, sadness that we would not yeah, that's have. A really that good was a good one, one right? That's okay. a really good one. I, it's, there might, maybe more will come up throughout mm-hmm. the, the cast. If mm-hmm. we think of them, um, we'll just... M- mowing the lawn. Oh, bummer. Sadness. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said you loved mowing the lawn when we were... No, b- I no. think no way. <laughs> 
No. It's a chore. Okay. I hate chores. Okay. Fuck housework. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like destined to be Grey Gardens. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm destined to just let what, wherever I live fall to ruin. Ooh. <laughs> or just, you know, hire a super. <laughs> This is my house super. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. All right, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, I was thinking that too. So, I hear you've been watching the new Netflix series, Wild, 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 Wild Country. Country. Yeah, have you been watching it? I've watched, oh, like, the first four episodes, I okay. think. And they're hour-long episodes. Yeah, So, they it's, are. like, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And there's six or eight, I can't. I think six, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, I watched it. I had to, of course, because mm-hmm. I use Osho Taro so much. Right. Like, it, I had to Google to make sure it was yeah, the same person. Same. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've used that tarot deck when I'm here. So I, that was my connection totally. to mm-hmm. the tarot deck. I wonder for how many people. So many. It would be the Osho tarot deck would even, like, let them know who Wait, this what? person was, who, what this world was. So there's Osho and, you know... Apparently, they're all there because of Osho. Well, so, I mean, my connection to the tarot deck is different than my connection to Osho. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something okay. that's similar. To, What's your connection people. to Osho? My connection to Osho is very small. Mm-hmm. I knew that he was like a teacher that um, kind of like went between East and West ideals and mm-hmm. like thought that, you know... Um, know both had a place in people's lives and you know you should have abundance in different ways and you don't have to like starve yourself on a uh you know as a yogi in the himalayan mountains and you also shouldn't necessarily like forget or you know become some gross point one percenter who's you know raping the earth so like there's a middle way um Hmm. so i think and he i think had some place I don't they don't really talk about it in the thing but I've heard about the human potential movement which was like a sort of like a western uh, I I literally don't know I'm using words I'm I, this is just what my contextual clues makes sense to me like a makes western, sense to me um idea of like yeah visualization meditation but it was in the 60s or 70s kind of like a bunch of in my at least understanding of like you know white christian hippies rejecting the religions of their parents and trying to still find sort of like, you know, very much like how we may feel or I may feel in Mm -hmm. different ways today. Anyway, so the Osho thing, like I knew he was like corrupt and money and that kind of like I knew he was like a religious leader kind of dude. I mean, they everybody, you know, it's not like that's um, he's unique in that. The deck I first experienced when I was in India and a guy that I met there who was very nice and very sick <laughs> was the mm. roommate of a friend of mine had the deck and it was like the one of the first I read tarot a while before but I hadn't in a long time and like he tried to translate it from Italian and blah 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 a year later I had met Camelia honoring our sisters mm-hmm. and my birthday present was the deck mm. and we had never talked about it before mm. and then when I opened it on the box was the card I had pulled in India the only other card I the only card I had ever pulled from the deck so like and then a lot of people I knew used it so it's the deck it still feels like magic I have finished the thing I I am still using it I don't feel like any sort of like complications around it because 
I don't know it's guided you me mean so since many... watching the show yes. mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah. yeah it's just sort of like I mean I loved watching the show it's wild. yeah I mean I haven't wild. gotten to the end yet so she maybe I'll feel wild. differently at the end maybe but like as as far as I've gotten I feel like the filmmakers are definitely influencing us in this feeling. And so, you know, it's not like they're telling the story objectively, but it's hard to either like condemn or celebrate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Osho and especially Sheila. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sheila is just like a queen. <laughs> a force of nature. Force of nature queen, yeah. And watching her, you just like understand like what a powerful person looks like and like what it means to make things happen by sheer force of will and it's just like bow down to Sheila but I also think she's probably evil you know I agree but I do I I, and I also just I am obsessed with her I love her so deeply I I, I, um, have the clip saved I watch it quite often when she um what is, what is the word she uses she's so she's doing the interview and she's says something like uh you know me run from you ha that is a joke I don't run from you mister <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my, my god, god Sheila I love you oh my god ha that is a joke. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love her so much. I do. Yeah. She's She is a sheer force of nature. The way you describe her is, I don't know if I would be able to pull those words, but, like, it's true. Like, I have a little bit too much fangirl in me to, like... In- well, I'm terrified of her. Yeah. And which like, is how I fan out. I love when I'm scared of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, she is terrifying. Yeah. I don't know that she's, like, working for good, but I do know that, like, especially at the time when she was doing this and, like, being, like, the woman who was really running all that stuff as a woman, like... Yeah. To behave that way is, like, so wild. Like, so wild. Like, she was just, like, breaking every convention of anything and getting away with it. Yes. And, like, kind of, like, building her own universe. Yes. Like, it was crazy to watch. I am pretty sure that I, like, saw one of those Donahue or Oprah Uh. episodes with her on it. Because one of the clips I was like, that looks really familiar to me. And even some of her, like, talking head shots or, like, uh, talking head pieces or whatever, like, news news and stuff. Like, I just, because I... I remember I was really young and I remember like asking my parents what a cult was. Like there was like mm-hmm. cult conversation before mm-hmm. I, I remember my dad talking about, I don't know, some, you know, it's, I'm sure it was not very, it was probably like crazy people that believe in crazy stuff. Like, you know, it was yeah. probably, I was very young. But I So do, what if you like really like saw Sheila and like took her in as a role model when you were a kid? That's wild. Yeah. Possible. Super possible. Oh, my God. Definitely possible. For sure. Yeah. No wonder my parents tried to stop us from watching TV. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Mom. Hi. (laughs) Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, I feel like um, I am prime. I'm a prime cult person. I'm loyal (laughs) as fuck. And I also want 
to be I'm prime I'm, I'm prime for it. Like you're you're like gullible. You're like susceptible. I'm susceptible. Susceptible. I don't uh-huh. think I'm gullible, but I'm like I I'm very very loyal to the point that like blind blind, blind loyalty. loyalty. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I want belonging in like family very very like yes. a place very very yeah. very badly, and I have found I have acted loyal to people that treat me terribly and ideas that treat me badly and organizations that treat me many, many times over speak for truth. long, long, long periods of time mm-hmm. just because I was loyal and I felt like I belonged. So yeah. like, yeah, I feel like I would have been, I would be like, I would have been, I, I mean, I would have worked very hard to be like in she was inner circle. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, yeah. You would have been like right-hand woman. Sure. Come on. Yeah. I hope so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my original question about Sheila, Sheila was, what do we think about her leadership style? What do you think about her leadership style? <laughs> I'm excited to hear because that, first of all, this, this, the way you wrote leadership style is like beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, really my, my, my not slow handwriting, my... Or my not fast handwriting, my slow handwriting. So, yeah. I like that fast and slow handwriting. Fast and slow. (laughs) Yeah, so so what's your ideas on her leadership? Fierce and terrifying. I think she's an extremely effective leader. Mm -hmm. And I would say so effective that it's probably illegal and immoral, you know? Like, she's too good. She's too good. Yeah. So... What I think of her leadership style is like best I've ever seen. Yeah, right, a yeah, yeah, yeah. plus, uh-huh, uh-huh, awesome. Uh-huh. Like I want to do. I want to do whatever you say <laughs> to the point where like I am shaking in my boots. So yeah, I think it's sh- we should have laws and we should have ethics and morals because we need to stop. At a certain point. <laughs> when leadership that effective is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. When someone's that good. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm real swayed by that kind of like power and mm-hmm. that kind of leadership. I love that. I, I fall for it mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. Head over heels instantly. Yeah. Very, very into it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what is up with all that footage that they have for that, sh- that show? It's like, I don't know. I can't believe they filmed Everything, yeah, that's, all along the way, it's crazy. It's like they're really just piecing it together. I mean, there are some like talking head things from the no, it's from great. the present day, but they have so much footage from yeah. the past that it's like. The other question is like, who really made this movie? You know, did Sheila oh. just have this footage all along? And was like ready to tell her story one day and let some filmmakers do this. But, like, you know, actually kind of had creative control because she had, like, the, she the had the footage that told the story uh-huh, that uh-huh. she wanted to tell. Yep. Anyway, mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions about I've, that uh, yeah, show. Right. And I'm, a lot of it has to do with, like, whether Sheila is also the mastermind behind the show sure. on top of it, it Being the mastermind else. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you to finish it. Um, and I also do watch The Path. No. Okay. What is that? It's a um, it's a show on Hulu about a cult, and I'm just realizing now that one of the characters might be quasi based off of Sheila, and I'm kind of 
fucking okay, thrilled about it. Right now it's, yeah. But you don't get to that until the third season, so I'm deep in it. Like it's, but yeah. I, it can be a, it can be cheesy, but I also really love it. It's great. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I. I do really like Sheila. She's my. She's my thing. I think that we, because we're talking about this, which came out whenever. Let's this also talk pop lady culture. Power. <laughs> yeah, this is the like kind of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is. I just feel like Lady Bird would have been a feminist field trip. Right. So we absolutely have we to talk. We would have gone to see it together. together. We would have cried. We would have cried together. together. We would have casted about it immediately yeah. after. Yeah. And it would have been really special. Yep. I just. We were talking about it a little bit earlier, but we had to try to stop so we could convo now. The two things that I think that I really need that I loved so much are the things I read these, I'm sure everybody has heard these now, but that she wanted to do it, um, a movie without any male gaze, and she wanted to have the girl be a girl who liked herself, Mm -hmm. who didn't, you know, who didn't strike, which I think is like the Frances Ha problem, Mm -hmm. that like, oh, poor Frances, can't figure it out. Mm -hmm. Oh, poor Frances, late to everything, can't find a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Friends are leaving her. Now, you know, of course, she she gets to the end. You know, you watch her change and grow. But what she ends up having at the end is not exactly what she thought, which happens to us all Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But, like, it was a dude looking at Mm -hmm. flighty Frances. Yeah, and Greta Gerwig, like, got her touch on that movie and made it really funny at all these points. But, like... Yeah, the type of character that that was, it was kind of like, um, I don't know. It was like a little bit like, let's make the manic pixie dream girl the protagonist and like yes. see what happens. Totally. And Which is still from a dude's perspective. Yes. And Lady Bird like, could also be described as that kind of girl in a weird way, but like, mm-hmm. there's nothing about her character. Like, her character is so full and round that like you would never call her a manic pixie dream girl. Like, even mm-hmm. though she's like a, like, wha- like she wacky, is. quirky yeah. girl, she's, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but like, we know her so well. And she's so strange. And like, the movie kind of follows her strangeness and like indulges it. And I don't know. Like, it's, it's weird how much things have changed in the last even just like five years with like girls in Broad City and like, you know, insecure and like all these shows that are from women's perspectives. And like, that was not even true like seven years ago, you know? And so like the bar has been raised and it has to keep going up. But like when you see a movie like Lady Bird, like get so much critical attention, awards, audiences, like everybody loves it so much. You're just like, yeah, because we're just starving for like a real story story about about a girl, girl. you know, like we just want like actual stories about these girls that are true to some of our experiences for some of us, you know, and then hopefully more and more people will be included in that. Yeah. I think that and I think, yeah, to see a girl, a, a lead, to have it not be about love or depression or like she, it's just about a girl's experience like yeah. what uh you know that particular girl but yeah it was just what a and the mother-daughter relationship yeah. was like 
I think, uh, complicated in an extremely honest way yes. and in a way I'd never seen before. Most people I know appreciated that. Some people thought that everyone's like love of that movie and that relationship was sort of a way of saying like it's okay for a mom to be that mean to her daughter it's normal you know uh-huh. and i think you know that's interesting and valid i just uh, i didn't feel that way i sort of again because there's so little representation of these kinds of stories yes. and these kinds of relationships that just to see a relationship with that much nuance in it was so welcome that i couldn't criticize it too hard yeah 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 yeah, I felt, I mean, the dad, every, everybody, yeah. everybody. It was really funny. It was it funny was, in, like, every scene. Like, I was laughing out loud constantly. It was just, yeah. it was just so wonderful. It was really great. Um, there are a, a lot of my gay male friends on Facebook referred to, if uh, spoiler alert, so <laughs> don't do anything, to, don't listen if you haven't seen it. Also, <laughs> go watch it right now. Yeah. Um, but in the scene in the back where he asks her not to say anything and then he kind of collapses into her arms. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, when it had first come out, um, all these men were calling it just that scene. Yeah. And just, like, sometimes only posting those words, that scene. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> how each one... <laughs> guys, guys, guys. Yeah. How... Um, how relevant that was to their lives and so many of them had had that experience of like begging someone not to out them and yeah you know finding comfort in the person that they was their girlfriend or their first kid you know yeah. whatever it, it whoever it was or what it was really moving to see that side of it just this t- this not a subplot really mm-hmm. you know it's bigger it was bigger than that but it was not the lead story really his journey um but man like to see just that that one scene can like yeah. hit so many people yeah and then another scene can just like wrap another huge group of people up you know it just yeah. felt um it was a really special thing to yeah see just on social media right like she touched on all of these moments mm-hmm. yeah and you know that it was said in 2003 yes. and or 2002 uh, you know during the Iraq war like that was such a choice and yep. like to see the aughts from a distance yes was crazy. still weird still weird do you know um I guess she wrote Justin Timberlake a letter asking um permission to use his songs as like a true fan and like mm-hmm. this you were the soundtrack of this time of my life mm-hmm. and like can I use those songs I and didn't know this he um I guess wrote back and was like, yeah, absolutely. Like she wrote like a fan letter and he, I think agreed and maybe, I don't know if he, I'm not sure if he like gifted whatever, but the, she wrote him a fan letter and he said, yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Which I think is so cute. Yeah. And honestly, hearing, hearing all that Dave Matthews band, I was like, I need to start listening to them again. <laughs> I have I been you got to it all. You've got it all in your 17 head. Dave Matthews Band <laughs> Oh my God, concerts. I forgot about that. I loved them for, from for such a specific period of my life, like 14 to like, like after Crash came out, it was over, right? Like I was on the very, you know, I was, after Crash, like 19 years old, freshman year of college, it was, it was, it was over for me, unfortunately. But God, they were like, the soundtrack of high school for me. Yeah, yeah. I went to all the concerts with my friends and I listened to it in the car in the summertime. You know, yeah. it was, and in those days, 
you bought an album and and singles didn't came out throughout like a year or two process after the album came out so it was like truly life like that for my crew and we were very waiting for the singles to come out Mm, very excited about the albums coming out Mm -hmm. and you know but I mean the singles coming out means that the album is getting prolonged rotation is what I'm saying. Like they'd be on the radio right. for so long. Right. Like one album would get so much play because it would have however many singles, but it would happen over so many months of time because it was the, you know, yeah. 90s. Yeah. That's how things were. There was no, <laughs> I mean, there was Napster, but like. <laughs> so like if you could listen to only one Dave song right now, what would it be? Oh, fuck. Probably. <laughs> I was gonna say um, Two Step came to mind first, oh. but I don't think forgot about Two Step. Two Step's great. That's wow. a really good one. It's, um, it's kind of complicated. Yeah, it's a co- it is. It has a little vibe to it. There's mm-hmm. some vibing to it. Mm-hmm. But I also love, really, really loved their like very first album, which was um, called something. Had it a magic eye cover. <laughs> Hello, and when he was focused in on it. I, had the I could never do those it things that never sign. work for me. Okay. So the magic guy was a peace <laughs> sign, which is horrifying. So, but there's a... <laughs> it's really clever. It's really, it's really way clever. To go, Dave. Way to go, DMB. <laughs> killing, really killing the game. Um, but yeah, there's some songs on that. I think I would love to listen to that album. I think that yeah. that would be kind of a... Because it's not... It's none of the like big... Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of that vibe. I would do it anyway. You know who else I would love to listen to is Rusted Root. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I yeah. Just, I associate them with each other too, totally. even though Dave was like on the radio way more. Yeah, so yeah. That's my one of back. one of my and Austin's our mutual best friend, Austin King, and lawyer and lawyer Austin King. One of our favorite high school memories is uh, <laughs> when there was a bomb threat. Oh. At our school, and it was soon after Columbine, and uh so they took it super seriously. This was like, you know, Columbine was like the first school shooting with like true national attention. Uh So it was just like the very first days of all this school shooting shit that is now like coming to a breaking point, you hope. Um, And so they canceled school which was the best thing of all time (laughs) because it was like the end of April and it was really nice that it was like weather's great it was like Wisconsin end of April it could be anything but it happened to be like 70 degrees yes and our school never got canceled our school was so hardcore it would rain it would snow there would be like four feet of snow on the ground they'd be like come to school so we never got off so we got off with this bomb threat and it was the weirdest thing in the world. And um, we just, like, hung out with our friends all day instead of going to school. Did you go to the mall? No, we were just, like, at our friend Leah's house, like, playing around in the backyard. That's right. Having so a fun. summer, a day, uh, a sanctioned hooky day. It was so fun. So Basically then, in the summer. Then we went back to school, and they brought in these metal detectors. And that was, like, again, the first time, like, wow. metal detectors at school had happened in like the history of America. So the first day they didn't know how to handle it. So there were these metal detectors. Is that true after Columbine? Yeah. Not they weren't in like inner city schools. Maybe before? they were. Okay. Maybe they were. Yeah. Right. I was like, but they weren't okay. like suburban. Sure, sure, suburban. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So they didn't know how to like 
do this. Like, they're not the TSA, and the TSA doesn't know how to do this in an efficient manner Uh either. uh uh So there was just a line, like, way backed up outside of our high school to get into these metal detectors to get into high school, and it was, like, you know, the most 1999 moment of all time. (laughs) And so I'm standing there with Austin in line. We're standing by this guy who's in some of our classes but doesn't say much. John Gleason, and he's really like, dropping. Hey, John Gleason. <laughs> he just came to me right now. I, I, that was like way deep down in my memory. That name of John Gleason, and he was like, "Hey, is this the line to get into the Dave Show?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, that's. My dude. The first and only thing we ever heard him say for all of high school. And, like, the funniest high school quote that we'll, like, both just call up all the time. Like, what a, like, what a 1999 joke, yes. right? There's yes. the bomb threat and you're waiting and you're- in line post-Columbine to go through the metal detectors to go into your school and someone makes... A, a joke DM about joke. DMB and waiting in line to get into like the the, the, the amphitheater, uh-huh. you know, Marcus Amphitheater, Marcus Amphitheater <laughs> Summerfest grounds. Yeah, I've seen Dave at Marcus Amphitheater Summerfest <laughs> yeah. at least six times. We were probably there at I the same bet. time. Well, I'm sure yeah. we were. I saw, yeah. Tom Pat- I saw a bunch of people. Yeah. I've seen a lot of shows at Marcus Amphitheater. <laughs> I love, it. I love that you just shows. called that up. Yeah, thank you. Tom's <laughs> like, in Alpine. Yeah, true so child of Milwaukee. I mean, you are a child of Milwaukee, among other places. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly Wisconsin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like, but it's true. I spent a ton of time in, mm-hmm. in the suburbs of Milwaukee, at least. And Your grandfather is known is as a Milwaukee Alpha coach. president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Gosh, gosh, gosh. <sighs> Midwest. I haven't been to Chicago in over a year. Yeah. It's crazy. That is the craziest thing. I don't know if I ever thought that that could possibly ever happen in my life. Right. And now it has happened. It used to be. All I mean, the time. When I was here living in New York, you would go to Chicago for sure every Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then I think like maybe oh, yeah. four more times on top of that for every sure, year. For sure. Right. I mean, I, was go- I would go every other month or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's crazy that it's that feels really crazy. I'll be that I'm going to the Midwest for a wedding, nice. so I'm excited. So I'll get back into those roots. I think I might even drive a, from Minneapolis to Chicago, take like a day or two stop in Madison. Haven't been to Madison mm. in forever. Me neither. You know, like, it's like once everybody moves away, you don't you have just, an excuse what would to I go do? back. That's and, what I'm saying. So why not just do it? It's, I'm excited to go to Madison yeah, too when I move to Iowa. Moving to Iowa in August, and then the route to, is it route or route? I don't know where I'm from. Uh, (laughs) The route to Milwaukee from eastern Iowa goes through Madison. Oh, great. I'm sure I'll be stopping off halfway in Madison. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to... I'm excited. I'm going to do a little Madison stuff. Yeah. little back road driving. Just... I mean, God, I love the Midwest. Now that mm-hmm. I feel it in my heart, I can like it's like aching. Yeah, mm, that's gonna be great. Iowa bound. Yeah, it's congratulations, the, it's the best. Thank you. Yeah, you've done. Yeah. You've Midwest been, is best. Midwest, Midwest is, is best. best. It's certainly not South is best. 
At no. least not for me. No. It is for some folks. For some. But yeah. And you did a year in Tennessee. I mean, that's... Yeah, you got to just experience places, understand yourself better through them, and sometimes that means leaving them because sure. you're not understood in this place and you don't understand this place, and that's okay. You yeah, know? right. Yeah, no you're not. You're not meant to understand and live in every Everything. place. Yeah. But it's good to know about ways of living far different from your own you know that's right it puts things in perspective yes Mm -hmm. yes and And also like you lived in tennessee for a year i mean that's great you know mm -hmm. what i mean like that's a cool life life story checkpoint yeah i think and as a tennessee friend of mine has said who's lived in cookville for a long time he said like there's there's nothing going on here like there's absolutely nothing (laughs) there's no culture there's nothing to like distract yourself with or like throw uh-huh, yourself uh-huh. into or make yourself feel cool with. Uh-huh. There's nothing like that. And so what this what this place does is make you just face yourself uh-huh. and deal with yourself. Uh-huh. Which of course is like a form of torture. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But when you don't have like the trappings of a life or a lifestyle, it's like, oh, like, none of that. Like, you know, I love New York, and I'm so happy to be here, but so much of what goes on here is, like, lifestyle-y, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And, like, when you don't have any of that in your life, and you're just sort of left with, like, your house, and your deck, and yourself, and your mind, and your heart, and these tree frogs, it's, like, better better start to listen (laughs) (laughs) better run better run run. or better listen Um, i mean i feel like that and then after you've listened you can run that's right you gotta run or listen those are the options it's it's much more appealing to run (laughs) and after one year i am running but it's because i was listening and it was just like Got so quiet, you know, so much listening. <laughs> so much to hear about. It's fine. It's like, it should be part of the day. It should be part of life. It was yeah. just like a yeah. little too much. Right. Solitary listening. That's sort of what I mean around, or what I'm trying to do around being middle. Yeah. Is like, sometimes I get into a space where I'm doing a solitary listening yeah. moment for however too long, or I'm trying to, or I get into a different type of headspace. Like, and... I'm just going to try to mm-hmm. be, I don't know what it, that means, but mm-hmm. it feels like there's ways to like, I don't know. Yeah. Yours is, it was, is, there's also a lot of location based stuff yeah. going on. But yeah. How to move back and forth. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Have some space to go. Mm-hmm. I think that's what being middle is, is like not being so stretched out at either extreme that you can't have the flexibility of like motion between the two. I yeah. think that's sort of what it is. It's sort of like yeah. having space to flow back and forth between the ex- almost extremes right. as opposed to being like stuck at each extreme, stretched Which to the max. takes like flexibility, yes. openness, faith, yes. giving roots. up control. You got to have the roots in order to wave in the wind, right? Exactly. Like if you don't have the roots in, there's no way to be flexible. Ugh. And I feel uh, like I have like a little bit of roots happening, so there's like some motion. It's still yeah. like, bah, bah, like I can't yeah. like I'm still like very. Um, well, my roots are deep in Midwestern, so I think that's gonna help me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for real. That's gonna help me. 
Even though my roots are here too, and it's so funny every time I'm back, just to be like, oh right, it's not like this is a place in my past. Like this is a place in my present. Yes, you know? uh-huh. totally. It's weird. Totally, it yeah. certainly feels like that. It feels like you belong here. Yeah, in all the ways. I, I still do, even yeah, though I don't do. live here. I don't That's know how right. that is true, but yeah. But it is. I and since you're since we're talking about um, things you belong to. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, no. No, I was gonna say like the, the um the like idea you're the you are the foremost okay. you are the foremost okay. theorist on yeah. and I I mean I am I, I too know. am but you are I learn I, you know I need to say that I defended James Franco for a long time as an artist. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And as an artist I would probably like still say all of those things you know regarding his choices but his choices as a human as a person who deals with other people in an intimate one-on-one situation you know that's that's a whole another situation and I I can't stand by those things so we want to return to our segment What's going on What's with, James, with Franco? James Franco? And we're a little late to this news, but we felt that because of well, our, my slash our slash yeah. mostly my defense of James Franco over the years, it was an it was important to address this and also to refresh ourselves mm-hmm. on just go. what being a James Franco is That's to right. begin with. That's right, and. When I uh, Becca, I think I think we both are uh, this, but Becca is the foremost uh, theorist on being a James Franco. But I will say a couple words and then hand it right back over to you. But I think that the um, in creating what a James Franco, the noun is, and the theory is is we used to talk about and maybe if you haven't been listening to our 70 episodes or 65 or we don't know what number this is we're going to check later um that's how many we've done friends lost so, track lost, lost track. track so exciting um being a james franco is is being a man who chooses to do anything he wants mm-hmm. pr- particularly artistically mm-hmm. Uh, but it can honestly go into any other realm mm-hmm. where maybe you um, are a physicist, but you also want to get into astron- astronomy. And you're like, now I'm going to do that. And now I'm going to go into the social sciences. And I'm going to write a book about social sciences. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, he could, that's a, James, a science James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call that guy a, science James Franco. <laughs> science James Franco. <laughs> but, uh, James in particular is this idea of being the type of person who engages in multiple different arts forms at the same time. The actual originators and best examples of this are people like Yoko Ono and Patti Smith and plenty of other people. These are two that we talk about a lot. But we call them James Franco's because... We are living in a patriarchy, and James has access to all of these things in a way that women simply do not, and I'll hand it over. Well, I know there was at least one episode where we made it very clear that being a James Franco actually meant being a Yoko Ono. That's right. With a lot more privilege and a lot yes. more credit. It's, so, that's exactly right. Whereas 
Yoko Ono was a brilliant artist and is a brilliant artist in many different media and art forms and gets almost zero credit for it. Like, and only really gets blamed for shit. Yep. James Franco is really only good, really only good at one thing. Which is... And that's acting. And his acting even really... It's question. I mean, it worked. I mean, to say that he's like a (laughs) genius at acting, the way that, I mean... Yeah, like, his good at one thing. Like, yeah, I mean, he's fun to watch, but, like, mm-hmm. is he a genius? No, but he is treated as such by the access that he has mm-hmm. to art galleries, to publishing houses, to schools, to all sorts of different institutions in the way... I mean, the, I can only imagine the fight that Yoko has had to be engaged in a in the way that she has. And, it, and James just... He just walks right into it, right? People just hand him opportunities right and left. And probably fall over themselves to do it. Yeah. So, you know, there's being a Yoko Ono, and that's one thing that James Franco was trying to be. And then there's being a James Franco. And what being a James Franco actually Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, leveraging your privilege in Mm -hmm. order to do what you want because you should have that power and access. And that's exactly what he did to those girls, it sounds like. Yeah, Yeah. he's, he is, it's, this is a, um, this is onomatopoeia. He's Mm -hmm. sort of, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, if uh, he's, he is He's being a James, James Franco, Franco is being a James Franco. Yeah. This is what it's about. Yeah. This is the whole thing. Yeah. Tautological. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. De- define. The definition is in the. Yeah. yeah the, okay. See, but that's what you knew what I meant when I said I onomatopoeia. I, I, that's I, not what it is. I, I know what you meant. Of course, but it's you know it. See, yeah. that's why we. You were, just, why they, you were just calling up the word and I yeah. knew what you meant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. That's. Oh, God. What? There was something that happened the other day and I was like, um, and I'm not going to remember this. I'll have to figure out. But I was like, here are the words that I, I that are making me think of it, like punishment and Goldilocks. And it ended up being like, like <laughs> Monopoly, the game. Like, I can't remember what I mean. Like, it's like, I don't know what it was. That's not what it was. But it was like very similar to that. Pun- like, these punishment and Goldilocks. plus Goldilocks equals Monopoly, the game. I'll have to ask oh you next. Punishment was Goldilocks. No, that wasn't it. It was oh, okay. similar to that. Mm-hmm. It was something, I said Goldilocks and there was a P word that I, I don't think it was punishment, but it was something and it led to, uh, I think India or Sarah would know, I think, but um, it was really an exciting moment of how my brain worked. It was like two words that were, cut. one was like about kid yeah. stuff and one was like a word that described and it was yeah. like, oh my God, it was crazy. It's like oh, you're presenting I, yourself with like quiz puzzles to put to it into my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Cute. What yeah. is that tattoo? What oh, is that's it? my new. I've got a couple newbies. What does it say? That says climber. Climber. Um, when I got cut from UCB, my dad sent me a text um, that was very meaningful to me, and at the end of it, he said, um, "This shit ain't no hill for a climber, and you, my dear, are a climber." And yeah. So this is in his handwriting, which is great. Aww. And he like makes his he he put the exclamation point. Like, every time he wrote it, he kept doing... I did not ask for the exclamation point. And then he does the, like, open circle every time, too. Not a dot, which I think is the best. Yeah. And then I also got um, this love mom over here. Aww. that's in my mom's handwriting. Aww. 
so that's beautiful. That's all. You got so, your parents tattooed on yeah, you. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. Thanks for making me a person. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I don't, um, yeah. It's, it was nice. It was great. Nice. It was really good. So I have some sound bites to read, to share. We have some NYC sound bites to share. Each of us have some. Uh, they're a little bit different from one they're another. Different forms, but that's how we do art. And uh, mine comes from this evening happy hour at Doris on Fulton. Hey Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Hey Brooklyn. Sitting in the backyard patio by myself. Then this one guy walks out and he looks around and goes, wow. And he's like so pleased by this patio. And so I just kind of laughed and we laughed. And then he sat down across from me and then not right across from me, across the way. And then these two other guys walked out. And so it was the four of us out on the patio for like half an hour. And the two guys who were talking, I think were architects. And they were having this really intense conversation. And I was just like so tickled by it because it just reminded me about how New York has the best sound bites of all time. Like from the first night I moved here, I was just like, I can't believe people talk this loud about this kind of shit on the street. Like it's amazing. Yeah. And so I had to write down what they were saying. Okay. Quote one, being a female figure in architecture, almost like there's a void. Quote what? Two. Quote two. I get this weird neurosis. There's nowhere to go but down. I gave it a hundred thousand percent. That's like the most New York quote I've ever heard. <laughs> like I'm neurotic because I've come to the height of my life and I gave it all I had. Okay. This How is old the best. Was he? <clears throat> I think they were like in their thirties, I don't know. Yeah. Uh this one's really good. You should try to exercise your thoughts about formalist tendencies. Okay. <laughs> um, I think this is the, the crack. The crack is the way in to some kind of field condition. It's getting really abstract. Um, oh, this one's good. By the way... I always get a little bit queasy about the word fetishizing. <laughs> were they on a date? Let me say this. No, no, they were just geeking out about architecture together. By the way, I always get a little bit queasy about the word fetishizing. And then he wanted me to move to L.A. <laughs> The most New York summers of all time. So many. <laughs> he wanted me to move to LA. LA is about to change dramatically. There might be a way in. <laughs> oh no. Oh that is the most New York. <laughs> and then the final one from Doris. I don't really care for her practice, but she was really smart. And then as I was rounding the corner to your house after going to the bodega, a whole different type of soundbite, I heard, you mistake kindness for weakness. Get the fuck out of here. No, you did not hear that. <laughs> yes, I did. You mistake kindness for, for weakness. weakness. Get, Get the, the fuck, fuck out of here. <laughs> That's what I heard rounding the was corner. Was it a guy or a girl who said a it? A guy to a guy. Yeah. 
Is he around, available? Did around, <laughs> I finger? didn't hear. It was just oh, behind me. I mean, I didn't see. It was behind me. Yeah. God. Mm-hmm. You mistake kindness for weakness. Get, Get the, the fuck, fuck out of here. here. <gasps> King, come find yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Ooh. I love when people get like, mad about being nice. <laughs> oh my god! So those are my soundbites of the day, and it makes me sort of sad that I didn't write down all the shit I heard in New York every single day of my life for seven and a half years. But anyway, it was really fun to hear it afresh today. A fresh start, yeah. Uh-huh. And you hear different kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> You hear different kinds of things on the street. I do. I do hear different kinds of mm-hmm. kinds of, kinds of things. Um, yeah, on the Scorpio full moon. So that was not yesterday. Two days ago, it was the one before. Uh-huh. Um, I was feeling a little anxious, and I was like, I "Go outside, take a walk. It's the full moon. Go look at it. Just get outside, take a walk. Short walk, whatever. Doesn't matter." And so I um, I went down to Franklin, and I decided. I think that I'll have a better view if I walk like towards Grand Army Plaza and then back towards it on my way home and I'll like see the moon on my way home. I was trying to like plan. God only knows what I was trying to do about yeah. my like, way I was going to walk to see the moon best. <laughs> I don't, you know, it, it was very unnecessary, but I did it. Not, it makes it, a lot it, of sense. You know what I mean? I was like mm-hmm. trying to figure out. So it's for the love of Astro. I did it for the love of Astro. I was trying mm-hmm. to map my walk. So I went down Sterling, which is where the St. Teresa of Avila church is, and I said to myself, oh, I'll turn down here instead of going down Eastern Parkway. I was like, uh, maybe St. Teresa has a message for me. And um, I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm thinking the whole time about how I'm going to walk and where I'm going to walk to and where I'm going to turn left and how I'm going to go back and are the clouds coming out and do I see the moon and what's going on? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden... I, in my head, hear, hey, I have an idea. (laughs) Uh You should go write your book at coffee shops. And I saw this, like, vision of a coffee shop on Washington. Um, That way, you can't have breakdowns writing about trauma too deeply you'll be forced to do pages on the stuff that doesn't feel as, and I can't, it was like more of a feeling like, cause it sometimes can be such a hole of you want to get it out. So you're going into the depths and sitting there for yeah. weeks at a time, writing and purging it out. But that yeah. can be a really intense space to live in anxiety wise. So I think so. And so, so I get this, you know, you should go, Hey, I have an idea. You should go write a, your book at coffee shops. I get the vision of the coffee shop um, so that you can get more pages done so you won't be writing about trauma and having breakdowns. And I kind of stop in my tracks and I turn and there's a statue of St. Teresa for the church. And I said, oh, hey, St. Teresa. And we were like shoulder to shoulder when I stopped. And when I said, oh, hey, St. Teresa, it like, I got this like rush over my body and I got chills and goosebumps everywhere and it felt like if you and I were walking and I was walking ahead of you and you were talking to me like hey I have an idea we should did it and you're like walking towards me mm. and then you got to my shoulder mm. and I turned and was like hey Becca like mm. but it was St. 
Teresa. Mm-hmm. So when you say uh, different different ways of people talking, so it, I mm-hmm. feel like so a saint just taught. I mean, straight up, there was no. I don't. There. Are you going to do it? Are you going to take her advice? I think so. The next thing that happened once I got over the goosebumps and such is, first of all, not I think so. I mean, I must. I mean, that's what I have to do. But the next move was also, um, I have to do the blog. It was like my mm-hmm. thought process mm-hmm. after she talked to me. And so then I launched the blog, mm-hmm. blog and have not really been focused too much on the book stuff, but I feel like, yeah, I need to go to that place on Washington. There's mm-hmm. a very, it was a very clear message. Like mm-hmm. there's a new place on Washington. That's the one to go to. Who knows what awaits me there? Who will I meet there? Who, what will I write there? Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but yes, I have, I must go. Not, I think so. I need to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, so I think that that was the other thing is that when I walked away from the statue, the first thing that came over me was like, I have to do the blog because to me it feels it's a good project beside the personal stuff. It's, it's sort of like your response to yeah. St. Teresa. Like she was like, Hey, go do this thing. And you're like, okay, good idea. But here's my thing. Yeah. I'm going to do yeah. this thing. And yeah. I'm also going to like, cause I think it makes a little bit more space even for the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that is, uh, that's my St. Teresa was talking to me. Uh, saints like to talk to me. And like whoever talks to us on the street, we just have one thing we'd like to say to them. The only thing that we ever really need to say to the people that talk to us on the street. If you want to talk to us on the street, that's fine. Like, that's your right. You and could. it's our right to, to say, say. The one thing is that we back. want to say is, you better, you better run. Mother. Fuckers. Fuckers. Got it.